Hey, what's up, guys? It's your boy, Jay. And you're listening to The Podcast from Earth 2. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's the first segment, DC Discussion. Now, um, I um had put a poll on Twitter. Um, I think it was earlier this week, and I asked you guys for an opinion. Oh, well, not an opinion. Yeah, an opinion. Whether or not if I should talk about Young Justice Season 3 for DC Discussion. Now, um, after a while, you guys didn't reply, so I just deleted the tweet, and I realized it's the beginning of the year, and ain't nobody on Twitter, so I'm just going to go ahead and talk about it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and just get into it. Now, I seen Young Justice Season 3. I seen all three episodes. Now, all three episodes, they were, they were great. Um... I actually saw him today at work while I was working because I actually want to get caught up before I recorded on the podcast um, later on today. Um, now for the I can go ahead and tell you season three, episode one is titled. Princes all. Not princess, but princess, princess, like prince with an S on the back of it. Princes all. Now, uh, the details about that, I'm going to go ahead and read it if they let if they allow me, which they possibly won't. Oh, they won't. OK, but I can read the whole entire thing. I don't know what's up with DC Universe. Uh, uh, DC Universe's thing, but they won't let you read the description for the. I don't know, but I can read the overall description. So I'm going to go ahead and do that now. Now, DC teenage superheroes come of age in an animated world of superheroes, supervillains, and super secrets as the team faces its greatest challenge yet as it takes on metahuman trafficking and its terrifying threat it creates for society caught in the crossfire of global and galaxy-wide genetic arms race. Starring in this is Jesse McCartney, Nolan North, 
Stephanie Lemon, Carrie Payton, Zara Z- Fazel, Troy Baker, and Jason. S- These people got some weird last names. Why can't they just have regular English la- regular last names like Watson or or Harold? I don't know or Risenberg. You know they can't. Ha- Why well, gotta have names that you can't pronounce? But anyway, it's directed by Christopher. Here we go. Another one of these names. Christopher Berkeley. Mel Zwayer. See, you can't pronounce these words. I sound like a freaking idiot. And it's written by Sam Register, executive producer, Greg Wiseman, Brandon Vetti. It is hard to pronounce these names. These are tongue twisters. You can't say all these names all the way down in a row. But anyway, moving on. Season three, episode one just dropped today, Friday. Now, um, three episodes did drop actually back to back to back. One, two, three. And they're going to be doing that every week. One, two, three, one, two, three, three episodes a week are going to be dropping down and it's going to add up to a total of 26 episodes. Now, Young Justice season three titled Princess All. I'm going to go ahead and tell you all how that started out. Um, First of all, it started out um as Nightwing, as a flashback of Nightwing quitting the team and Aqualad taking over. Then after that, it goes on to ran where the war worlds is, where um, people are defending against an apocalypse parademon invasion. Not only that, there's this lava monsters that has been unleashed onto the planet. All right. Now, going on a little bit forward, they have this flashback of this kid that they're talking to and they're telling them that I'm sorry that. Your sister didn't survive the transplant. So they took her and they ended up activating her metagene, turning her into that monster. Now, they unleashed her onto Ran. They took her from Earth and took her to Ran and unleashed her there onto a war to fight those people. Now, that is where we are now. Now, the Justice League is there. They are fighting against the parademons and this lava monster. Now, this lava monster is kicking ass, but uh, here we go. Black Lightning. This is the part I don't like. He shoots his electricity powers, right? He, he's, he's electrifying, electrocu- electrocutioner. He's the electrocutioner in this thing. He is killing this monster. He's shocking the hell out of it, right? Then it dies right then and there. And you know Black Lightning doesn't have this big God Almighty lightning strike. He has his little spark to me. I'm not a huge fan of Black Lightning. I have a long list of complaints about this superhero if DC has time to listen to it, listen about it, because I believe he is greatly more. He is more destined for anything else than to be in that hood and where he in on the TV show. But going on, um, moving on, the kid dies from heart failure. And how? Because Black Lightning shocks the kid. Now, what effect does this have on him? It blocks him from using his powers. Now, now, when I say that, and, I, and I'm trying to figure out how and why, 
And I, and I don't get to that assumption until the end of the episode. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you why. Now, throughout the whole entire episode, there comes a time where they need that. There, there comes a time where they need black light. And he wasn't there. He couldn't be there because he couldn't use his powers. He told them the whole entire time that he do not feel comfortable using his powers because ever since that one incident, he couldn't use his powers correctly. So it's more of a mental block. So I'm like, oh, that's fucking bullshit. An innocent bystander dies and all of a sudden you don't want to save anyone anymore. This is why they put you in a fucking... Let me stop my cursing. <laughs> this is why they put you in the hood. Just just being there and just you want you want to see people. I don't know. If you don't want to help anyone, we'll put you in the hood. And and wait a minute. No, I need to stop because I'm a huge conspiracy theorist. All right. I'm not going to talk about what I just put together in my head. But moving on. Um so 2 years after Nightwing stepped down as leader of the team, Young Justice, Savage uses War World and creates this meta-human monster and unleashes it on the planet. Now, like I said, Black Lightning and the team, they are fighting against this monster and Black Lightning accidentally kills it through heart failure and how they find, and, and, and afterwards, the monster disintegrates, right? So they, they scan it to find out what it is. It turns out to be a 14-year-old girl from Earth. 14. So that it crushed him and he didn't want to be a, he didn't want to do it anymore. So when they got back to Earth, um, they realized they heard this message from Lex Luthor, which he runs the United Nations now. Right? So he um tells them that. They're, he's basically blocking the Justice League from going into any country anywhere in the United States, anywhere in the world. And there's not without without the UN's approval, of course, without Lex Luthor's approval, of course. And and Batman, he he, the league is having mixed decisions on whether to to, to resign or not. And the one person that did step up to. De- to resign was Batman. He he just said he he can't do it anymore. It's just if if the league cannot operate on Earth because of Lex Luthor, he he runs the United Nations and he made a decree that Justice League won't be around here anymore. He 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 officially said that and said, hey, that you gotta follow law, right? You gotta follow it. So what 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 else can you do? So he was like he he's gonna do an alternative. He wants to create his own side team. Now, hold right there. Now, I know y'all remember on the podcast, if y'all remember me talking about Earth, what Earth that was, Earth 33. I'm not sure. I think it was 33 where Lex Luthor had created his own, had his own superhero team and Batman had his own a uh, non superpower team. No, it was um yeah, it was Earth 33. No, Earth 22. Kingdom Come. Now I know y'all remember Kingdom Come where a retired Superman had was living in this um new time where um this vigilante named Magig 
had killed the Joker. And now they live by a code of, you know, you basically have to kill the villains in order to stop the the, the um evil. And, and, and the world was OK with that. And that's when Superman had his own team. Lex Luthor had his own team and Batman had his own team. And the reason why, because Lex Luthor wanted to kill all the superheroes. Um, Superman wanted to stop the uh, maggot guy. Oh, wait, that was another one, an additional um, superhero team. So it was maggot's superhero team. So it was four individual teams in the whole entire world that were going against each other. And that was Earth 22. Now, that what brought me to that, to when Batman had quit the team and he wanted to create his own team. He was like, I'm going to create an alternative. And that alternative was a league of a team of his own. Now, I already know where this is headed. Now, I'm sorry if I confused anyone. I just wanted to go back and um, give an example of what Batman has done before. So. But moving on, getting back on track, um, Justice League is now disbanded. Bat, well, not disbanded, but dismembered a couple members. Um, Batman, Green Arrow, um, Black Lightning, and I think that's it. Those are the three members that quit the Justice League. Um, Aqualad, Aquaman now, he wanted to basically keep everyone together and keep being a symbol on earth even though they couldn't be everywhere they could still be a, a hope a symbol for the earth but batman was like what's the point of being a symbol if you can't finish the mission and the whole point of batman is it's all about the mission and i agree with them so that's the whole point of them breaking up um moving on um, some moving on. My favorite part about this episode, um, my favorite part, um, I would have to say that they are doing more with Black Lightning, even though I got a lot of complaint about him now as a superhero. I, I still have to say that they are doing more more with superheroes that aren't seen you know as much like i said superheroes like black lightning superheroes like wonder girl and tim drake and blue beetle you know you get to see those superheroes that you see in the comic book you get to see them right there on on, on young on young justice so that's my favorite part about this show it's everything because you get to see all the characters my least favorite part is black lightning like i said it's the, the whole entire time he was complaining about how he couldn't he wouldn't use his powers the whole entire time but there was this one part in the episode where this creature dies and all of a sudden he gets his powers back so i'm like it was nothing but a mental block. And and, and and you just proving yourself more useful, useless to me. That's all you've done. I don't know. I just don't like Black Lightning. I'm on a Black Lightning rant. So if anyone 
speak of Earth 17, which is the radioactive Earth, or Black Lightning, you will not be on this podcast as a guest because those are two things that I dislike. You will not talk about Black Lightning or Earth 17 because the radioactive Earth, it's just I don't like. And then Black Lightning is useless to me. But if I could change anything, what would it be? Black Lightning being useless the entire damn time. They could use any other superhero in Young Justice and the Justice League, but they've chosen to go with Black Lightning. I don't know. But if I had to rate this episode, this episode from out of one out of ten, honestly, I have to give it an eight. Because like I say, you get to see all the superheroes that you ever want to see in this season. So it's nothing that I dislike besides Black Lightning. But overall, it's not going to affect the rating. It's not unless you make the show more about Black Lightning. If you make that first episode about Black Lightning and how he didn't want to use his powers, then I would have been pissed because we waited years and years for for Young Justice to hit just for you to do a pilot episode about Black Lightning and his freaking powers. But that's the only thing I could focus on was the point of Black Lightning and he him not using his powers. That's just the whole thing for me I, I can't wrap my mind about it it has me going crazy well not really but I just don't like black lightning but would I recommend this to anyone yes I would recommend this to every DC nerd out there who likes the Justice League who likes Young Justice I have something to tell you guys Young Justice is here it is out it exists episode one two and three is out today watch it if you're listening to this now, it's been out since yesterday. No, it's been out. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's been out. It's out. Yeah, it's been out already. Some countries already got theirs before us. But Young Justice Season 3 is out today, so watch it. And it is great. You're, you're not going to regret it. Trust me. They have improved so much, and they have more killing in it now. So it's not rated t for teen it's more like rated m for mature well i don't want to say m for mature. i don't know because they don't show a lot of blood they show a little bit i guess but they show death so you know that's why i don't say t for teen teen i say m for mature so you guys check it out but this is for dc discussion discussion um you guys go ahead and tell me what you think about it um, I'm going to post a lot on Twitter today about Black Lightning and 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 how I dislike him. I'm going to talk about Young Justice. So you go ahead and drop your comments on the bottom if you want to, if you're willing. But you can go ahead and listen to more and more tonight because my other two guys, they got something that they want to tell you, too. So it's the Earth 2 crew and the podcast on Earth 2. Go ahead and listen to what they got to say. But I'm all out of time. Um, it's your boy Jay from Earth 2. And if you guys out there, check us out. What's going on, y'all? It's your boy, Brian's Comics, number one. And I am going to do a special segment uh, for the Flashcast where I'm going to be reviewing the Earth, the 
1990 series of The Flash starring the OG Flash, the Earth-90 Flash, John Wesley Shipp. For those of you who are listening, thank you very much. And I just want to give a big shout out to Sentis Tempo. The song that you're hearing right now is called Lonesome Cowboy. And I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty cool track. And, you know, it's going to be one of the tracks I'm going to be playing in some of my future podcasts. So it's a really cool beat. If you hear, if you, if you listen to it right now, it's a really cool beat. I mean, and it's actually based on the series, the anime series, Cowboy Bebop. And I do love Cowboy Bebop. For those of you who don't know, it's a basically a story about a bounty hunter in space and it's many many you know so many centuries into the future and a whole bunch of crazy stuff happens in the show i mean it's just a really awesome so you should go see it but enough on that i mean the show we're going to be focusing right now is on john wesley ship's 1990s flash series that started on cbs the interesting thing about the interesting thing about this is just that when i first watched the show i didn't even know anything about the flash actually until I watched the show, and then I even saw him on Justice Friends, so that's when I started to kind of learn about these heroes. And I was introduced to this guy, you know, this guy who can actually run at super speed. I mean, this was actually the first Flash I've seen. He was my Flash. And he still is to this day. Of course, you're still cool in my book, Grant Gustin, but even Grant Gustin will believe, would even agree with me, like, this is the OG Flash. And, you know, it's the same guy who actually currently plays Jay Garrick, and actually played, um... Henry Allen, and he actually did reprise his role as Barry Allen again, which is why they coined him Earth-90 Flash, and I kind of saw what they did there, because the show is based in the 1990s. Anyway, so the show starts out with, um, it basically, it's in Central City, of course, like all Flash stories take place in Central City, and these group of, the group of these people, called the Dark Riders, are terrorizing the city, and everyone is just kind of wondering, what is um, the police going to do about this? We need, something needs to be done. So we go over to a scene where we see Barry Allen, John Wesley Shipp, and, you know, much younger, and, you know, just with his family. And the interesting thing about this Flash is just that he has both, both his mom and father are alive, his mom and dad are alive, and they're alive and well, and everything's all seemingly lovey-dovey. And one of the crazy things, too, is just that he has a brother whose name is Jay Allen. Which is actually a reference to Jay Garrick, and he kind of does look like Jay Garrick too, in the sense that he has gray hair, whereas Barry has like dark brown hair. He's a little younger, but this Jay Allen is—he's a stand-up guy. He's like the golden boy of the Allen family, of this Allen family in Earth 90, which is how I like to call it. You know, with this series, he's a police officer. He's—he has a lot of accolades, whereas Barry Allen, <laughs> like all like all of the Barry Allens, is a forensic scientist and. The interesting thing with this family, with the, this Allen family, is just that Barry and his father don't really see eye to eye. Do you know what I mean? I mean, they, okay, yes, there's a bit of father and son love there, though, but Henry Allen is a, you know, actually, instead of being in jail, he was actually once a police officer. Now he's retired and living alive and well with his wife, Nora. And Barry, you know, Henry just like knocks on Barry's head and saying that, you know, you're just a forensic scientist. Why don't you just be a cop? And, but funny enough, Jay Allen, in like typical, you know, kind of like typical Jay Garrick fashion too, as we've seen in the Arrowverse, like consoles Barry and says like, you know what, dude, if I had your brain, <laughs> I probably would choose your profession too, bro. I mean, I'm just saying that to make you feel good. And Jerry's like, you know, Barry's like, oh, you know, thank you for that, bro. I appreciate that. 
So, I mean, in this first part of the episode, you inju- you get introduced to Barry's family. You get introduced to the crap that's going on in Central City and, like, what they have to deal with. And one of the crazy, thing, crazy things is also, too, that... Well, going back to fam- a little bit on the family, you see Iris, you know, Barry's with I- Ori with Iris, and she's a graphic designer rather than a journalist. And I think this is a way for the creators of the show just to, you know, introduce people who are n- probably new to The Flash, like I was myself, to... To the character, you know, I mean, not rather than rather than the raw story of what happened in the comics when Reverse Flash ran back in time to kill Barry's mother and frame Henry Allen. So, I mean, this is a really it was a really good way to flesh out the character, even though, you know, I mean, you know, he had a full family, but I think it was a really good way to flesh out Barry Allen and the Flash himself. So anyway, they're in the middle of dinner, and Barry Allen gets called over to the lab to investigate something involving these dark riders. So when he's working in his lab with his buddy Julio Mendez, which to me, he kind of reminds me of Cisco. So he's almost like a, you know, maybe he could be an Earth-90 version of Cisco, but he's not really Cisco Ramon, <laughs> a.k.a. Vibe. But, you know, I thought it was a really, you know, I thought it was really interesting, you know, just looking back and seeing that. <clears throat> so... um, They work on, they actually are working in the lab and, you know, Julio excuses himself and Barry is working overtime. But all of a sudden, as all you Flash fans know what happens when he's in the lab and there's, there's a storm coming. A lightning bolt hits straight on on Barry's chest and he goes flying onto a vat of chemicals and he's just completely doused in all these chemicals and, you know, he's just... He's basically out. This is it's, it's a good way of putting it. He's knocked out. He's out for the count. And Julio runs back and says, oh, crap. You know, someone get some help. I mean, my buddy's down. Next day, you know, they find Barry in the hospital. And he's actually dressing up, funny enough. He, so unlike in the Arrowverse version of The Flash, Earth-1, with Grant Gustin's character, Barry is just out and about. John Wesley Ship's Barry is a machine. He's just like, you know what? I'm fine. I don't need any more medical attention. And the doctor's like, look, I insist you stay here at least for a, a week or so. But Barry just pushes him off. He's like, you know what, man? Whatever. You know what I mean? You don't know nothing about me. I'm, I'm good. So much to the reluctance of his family and even of the, especially of the doctor. You know what I mean? Like he just goes about his merry way. But then he slowly starts to develop powers. And... He's introduced to a Star Labs um, scientist by the name of Tina McGee, who, funny enough, is kind of like a Caitlin Snow, who just wants to do all these tests on him and to see what's going on with his body. Because little to this Barry's knowledge, I like to call him Earth-90 Barry, OG Flash. The doctor gave um, some of his um, blood work, or I think some of his medical, you know, his, his medical records to Star Labs. And Barry's really skeptical of Tina McGee. He's just like, you know, I don't trust you. I mean, I heard a lot of crappy things about Star Labs where, you know, people have gotten killed. And Tina actually mentions like, yeah, my husband was one of them. So she kind of reminded me of Caitlin Snow, a.k.a. Killer Frost, where Caitlin Snow, you know, thought that her husband, Ronnie Raymond, who became Firestorm, eventually actually died. But in fact, was actually alive later on along with Professor Stein. But, you know... Anyway, switching little switching gears a little bit, they test out his powers, and you know, but basically, in in around that time too, he starts to discover that he has super speed, and you know, he so many funny shenanigans that John Wesley Ship's Flash does when he actually, 
um, he's walking, he's out walking his dog and his dog just notices a ball and runs towards it and then causes him to run and like just collide with like the bushes and everyone's just like, what the crap just happened? And another time when Iris calls him, says like, hey, I have a gallery showing because she's a, she's an artist. So he's, and he's like, okay, I got to go um to the gallery. But then he finds out that his, he has a flat tire in his car and he decides to run there. But then he ends up in the beach instead of the gallery and he's all soaking wet. It's just so funny. So a little, a couple funny hijinks. And then we also get introduced to the flash suit. What would be the flat Earth ninety flash suit, which was actually a Soviet, it was a Soviet prototype suit that Tina McGee quote unquote, unquote borrowed, and you know was used to test out his speed, you know, in one of her tests. So anyway, um, I'm gonna kind of fast forward a little bit here and kind of go into the Dark Riders and who they're led by. And it's led by a villain by the name of Pike, who was once himself a police officer. He was actually one of the motorcycle police officers that was a partner to Jay Allen, who himself is also a motorcycle police officer. And the interesting thing is, is that um, Pike has an interesting, interesting view on the police, being that he was once a police officer himself, saying that they don't protect people, they don't keep people safe, um, they do nothing for anyone. And he forms this, he becomes a crime lord and forms this whole group called the Dark Riders. Um, and basically they look up to him, except one who tried to escape from him. But long story short, Pike killed the guy and took his girl. I mean, typical villain fashion, right? But Pike is a really surprisingly intelligent, you know, intelligent man. I mean, he quoted Genghis Khan in this one scene when he killed um, the traitor. So um, basically he... One night, he actually terrorizes the police station, and Jay Allen's there because basically they're introduced. The police is introducing this new special forces unit that's supposed to combat the Dark Riders. And after being, you know, jumped or terrorized, Jay Allen um, actually talks. You know, Linda Linda Park. For those of you who are huge Flash fans, know that's Wally West's future wife. Interviews Jay Allen and witnesses what happened and says, like, you know, what are you going to do about this? And Jay Allen stares into her camera and says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to I'm going to go get this guy. I'm going to go get Pike. And then basically, you know, it's, like, it's his way of saying, you know what? Game on. It's on. So um, long story short, um, Barry um, is in his lab again. And he discovers that Pike's, you know, Jay's going to fall into a trap after looking at a map. And learning about something that connects connected to Jay and Pike's past, but he's too late. Even with super speed, I mean, he he you know he was too late when um, Jay fell into a trap and Pike actually jumped him and killed him. And this is what this is where the Flash is really born. And Barry goes over to Star Labs again and tells Tina, "Look, I'm I'm looking to make a, a costume so I, a way I can I can you know strike at strike at Pike and let him know that he messed with the wrong guy, basically." And at the funeral, even, he tells his father, I'm going to go get Pike. You know what I mean? And his father just talk, tries to talk, talk him out. He's like, look, no, 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 no. Look, man, you know what I mean? D don't do it, okay? I mean, I, I know I've been a little hard on you, but don't do it. But Barry's, Barry tells his dad, like, look, dad, I have to do this. This is the only way, you know, I can gain closure. Basically, that's what he said. That's not what he really said. But 
you know, going forward, um, so he basically starts terrorizing Pike's gang as a flash, and he even catches one of um, the same girl that Pike actually took from the guy who betrayed him, and he interrogates her, but she doesn't, doesn't say a word to him that would blackmail Pike. She doesn't give out any details. So he has her searched by a police officer, and... Long story short, Pike actually um, plans on terror, you know, doing a prison riot, and he even and little too, um, actually, funny enough too. When uh, well, not funny enough actually. Sorry, I can't talk. You know, a little jumbled words there. Kind of mumbled a little bit. If you notice in my podcast, but hey, I'm human. But in one scene, Barry actually runs to Pike's hideout. He actually ends up finding Pike's hideout after you know working in his lab, and he finds that his brother's old medals there. That he gave him as a as a you know Christmas present, because he said that he actually stole it from him for luck. But his brother was all okay about it. He's like, you know what? I still love you, bro. You know what I mean? Used it for luck. That's great. So Barry gave him that medal. So Barry finds that same medal in Pike's hideout. So meaning that Pike must have taken it off of Jay Allen's corpse, you know. And um, you know, probably used it as a way to like you know. I don't know, remember his old partner or remind him of like what his partner, you know, quote unquote did to him, but, or what he blamed him for. So Barry alerts the police chief and says that, you know, I found Pike's hideout. I mean, we can actually get him. And the police chief is even wondering like, you know, well, why'd you go there, man? And Barry's just like, well, I mean, I thought I should take it upon myself. He's like, look, I know he's your brother, but dude, what are you doing? But then it, it, it leads the police to um, actually, because Barry actually tips him off saying that, you know, Pike's actually playing a riot. So a riot at a local, at a prison in Central City. So the police actually, you know, Pike actually, you know, goes to the, you know, the, the prison himself and actually starts a riot and starts arming the prisoners. And the Central City police outnumbered and outgunned probably, actually outgunned, tried to stop it though, but they can't. So... Barry goes to work as a Flash, though, but then when he's um, starting with his super, when he's using his powers and super speed, he notices that he has sort of like a weakness where he just grows faint and is out of energy. And then it's become, it becomes apparent that, you know, it has to do with his metabolism. Like with all Flashes, you know, I mean, they have to eat a lot. And this is one particular scene where, you know, when he first, when his powers start to manifest, he's, he, he eats out basically his old refrigerator which to me is just funny but um anyway so he goes over to the prison i mean he's eventually he eventually you know gets back on his feet again thanks to tina mcgee but he goes to the prison and quells the riot with with the help of the tear gas that they were trying to put into the prison so he he does that himself like he actually uses a tear gas on the police camp because they're outgunned so the police actually see him for the first time as the Flash and like, holy crap, like the red, you know, the, that's him, the Flash, you know, the guy who's actually been terrorizing this gang and helping us out. So there's a showdown with like with all superhero shows, there's an ultimate showdown between, you know, the hero and the villain and Barry actually tracks down Pike and tackles him. And jumps him and says that, you know what, you killed my brother. And Pike's like, huh, yeah, I killed a whole lot of brothers. Who are you? So before Barry can reveal himself, it turns out that Barry actually falls to his, you know, he grows faint again. But then Pike actually beats him up for a while. But then Barry gets back on his feet and beats up Pike. And it's so funny because 
how he beats him, how he really beats him is just really interesting because he runs around him and forms a tornado, kind of similar to what Grant Gustin's Flash did in the very first Flash episode. Kind of like a run, berry, run moment, you know? For those of you who are Flash fans or fans of the show, run, berry, run, you know? That was what was, now, now when I think of that, I you know, when I think of that scene, I think of run, berry, run, and Wells, a.k.a. your first Flash, is telling him that. And it's crazy because... Um, Pike just gets electrocuted by his own by the high voltage when he levitates like as if he's using the force and you know it's a crazy scene but you know as the show as the um episode ends i mean it's just very comforting his um brother's son his, his brother actually has a son and he tells him that you know what your brother was a cool cat he was a, he was always my hero and he gives him the medal that you know he took from his brother and he gave back to his brother and he says, you know what, I'll always be there for you and I'll be there in a flash. So, I mean, overall, I thought this episode was really awesome. I mean, my inner 10-year-old was, when I watched it, I mean, I felt 10 years old again, especially when I watched Elseworlds, I felt 10. And, you know, there were so many um, flash reference, you know, so many references to all the flash characters. I mean, again, Jay Allen, aka Jay, you know, me as a reference to Jay Garrick and then like Star Labs being on Garrick Avenue. Then, of course, you got Linda Park as the reporter who just, you know, goes around sticking her nose where, you know, it, you know, and just to get the story. And this, and again, a whole interesting dynamic between um, Earth-90 Flash and the fact that he was a Flash that actually never was. I mean, this is a Barry Allen who had a full family rather than have his family ripped apart from him from a evil speedster. So, I mean... It was a, it was a really well I think it was a really well fleshed out story. I mean, it was it was a really gradual build to him eventually becoming the Scarlet Speedster that we know and love. And I think it was also a way to have to have fans you know introduce fans to the Flash and a really holistic way I think in my opinion to introduce you know. Almost all the, you know, not quite all the characters, but some of the characters. So you see Iris, you see Linda Park, and, you know, you see, of course, Barry Allen. And, you know, you meet, you meet, you just see some of Central City and what they're dealing with. And, you know, I just thought it was a really great episode. And for those of you who haven't seen it, I mean, I would recommend you watch it. It's just a really cool, you know, really good episode. It's a really good series. I mean... It was a short-lived series, though, but I felt like it could have went on for a couple more. I mean, it was probably one of those shows before its time, like Birds of Prey, if you, if you have seen that. I mean, it was based on Helena Wayne, which was like the daughter of Bruce Wayne. I mean, a really good show. It came out around the same time as Smallville did. But it just didn't pick up too much steam because I don't know if people didn't see its potential at the time, though, but it was a great show. But um, to end off, I mean... You know, I mean, John Wesley Ship. You know, in my opinion, will always be the Flash. In my, you know, in my in my most humble opinion, he would always be my fat Flash. And the first guy I saw as the Flash, and I mean, I have a, even have a Funko Pop of you know Gay, Jay Garrick um, as you know the, the Jay Garrick Flash from Earth Three sitting in my room, and I thought it was really cool. I mean, maybe I might get an autograph someday. I mean, John, and you know, if you're listening to this, bro, I mean, I would love to get that autograph from you. Well. This is Brian's Comics um, signing off um, of the special edition of the Flashcast. And 
Um, if you go on Twitter, you can actually follow. You can actually follow me on Twitter. I'm a part of the Earth Two crew. I'm with my buddy Jay. Um, we actually came up with this idea to do an episode, a throwback um, review of the um, 1990s Flash um, pilot. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can go on my Twitter and follow me at Brian's Comics underscore Number One. I'm there. I mean, I'm 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 there a whole lot. So you'll see a crap load of tweets from me, or some random stuff. And I'm also starting a blog called The Boy Wonder Press. Um, you can actually um, see it, it. The whole address is on my Twitter page, so you can also see that as well. And yeah, so I'm ending it off on that note. So this, again, this is me signing off. I mean, it's the new year. It's 2019. I mean, meet those resolutions and have a, have a happy new year. And as always, run fla- Flashcasters run. Later. Hey, Earth 2 Podcast listeners, it's Sam, and I'm back. I want to thank you all for voting for me on Twitter. I'm really excited to be a part of this. And as I've told you before, I'm from Earth 16, the same Earth as the Young Justice show. And that's especially important tonight because tonight, the new season, season three of Young Justice, just aired on... Uh, DC Universe app, and I'm so excited about it. I can't wait. Uh, right after I'm, I finish recording this, I'm going to start watching it. Uh, I'm so excited for that. But for now, we're going to be reviewing a comic book, and the comic book we're going to be reviewing is Batman Court of Owls. Now, this was the first story arc in... Scott Snyder's New 52 Batman run. Uh, New 52 was in 2011, I think, and there was, you know, some good, but there was also some bad with the New 52. And I think that Scott Snyder's Batman run was probably the best thing about New 52. Uh, This story, Court of Owls, as I said, is... The first arc in his run, it's written, as I said, by Scott Snyder, drawn by Greg Capullo. Um, I'm going to tell you a bit about the beginning of the story, but I'm not going to tell you all of it, because if you haven't read it, if you haven't read it and you're hearing this, I think you should check it out. It's a really great story. So I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to give everything away, but basically the story starts with Bruce at a sort of fundraiser event where he announces his new plan to build these giant high-rise buildings all throughout Gotham. And the next night, Bruce is on patrol and he finds a body. He finds a dead body pinned up against the wall and he takes the body to the Batcave. Oh, before he takes the body, he sees this hidden message written on the wall of the of the house where the body was found and the hidden message says Bruce Wayne will die tomorrow. Now bit of a mystery here, so Batman takes the body to the Batcave, uh does sort of an autopsy, finds some skin under the dead man's uh fingernails and tries to do uh, to do a DNA match, and he does a DNA match, and 
the machine, the back, the back computer, says that the DNA found under the dead man's skin was degradations. So, again, more mystery. Batman brings Dick Grayson to the Batcave, and Dick tells him that he remembers the guy, the dead guy. Uh, Dick says that the dead guy, a couple of days ago, came up to him, grabbed his arm, and warned Dick that he was next, or that he's going to die soon. And that's all Dick knows about the guy. So, anyways, it's the next day. Uh, Bruce is worried that, you know, there's going to be an attempt on his life that day, but, you know, he's not afraid. Of course he's not afraid. He's Batman, so he goes on and continues on his day as if it was a regular day. And he has a meeting with a man named Lincoln March. Now, Lincoln March is running for governor, I believe, or mayor, mayor of Gotham. And they have a meeting uh, at Wayne Tower, Bruce and, and Lincoln March, and Lincoln is trying to convince Bruce to support him in his mayoral run. And while they're talking, an assassin comes out of the elevator, throws a knife, the knife sticks right in Lincoln March's chest, and that, and Bruce and the assassin start fighting. Uh, Bruce can't get the better of him. And the assassin kicks him out of a window. And Bruce starts falling all the way down to the ground. Now, the, the Gotham Tower has a bunch of gargoyles around it. There's a long story about why the gar gargoyles are there. It's, I'm not going to tell you that now. It's better if you read it. But... Bruce, in sort of dialogue boxes, he's not saying this, he's thinking this, uh, starts thinking about how there's a hidden gargoyle on the tower that nobody knows about. And he reaches his hand up, grabs onto the hidden gargoyle, and saves his life at the last second. Almost, uh, actually not almost, completely dislocating his arm. And the mystery continues from that point on. Who's trying to kill Bruce Wayne? The assassin who tried to kill him actually said to him, I'm happy that I had the chance to kill another Wayne. What does that mean? Bruce is wondering, what is kill another Wayne? What do you mean by that? So that's part of the mystery. How is Dick involved? That's another part of the mystery. And the story comes together issue by issue, and it's brilliant. It, 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 it comes to this giant climax. And it's a great story. Um, the art, the art is just amazing. Greg Capullo has a great style. He, uh, he, I believe he cut his teeth uh, drawing Spawn comics for Image. Um, yeah, and it just translates real well here. I mean, you know, the shading is nice, the line work. I, I, I really like the art of this comic, and I think, uh, I think the the main the, the main draw of this comic, to me, to this story, of this story, is the mystery. You know, this, this assassin, who is dressed like an owl, brand new character, and it's very mysterious. I, I, I like the fact that when Scott Snyder started writing Batman, 
he was like, oh, I'm not going to bring back, you know, um, my story isn't going to be about uh, the Penguin or Two-Face or any, any of those, you know, very well-known villains. I'm going to bring something new to it. That's what Scott Snyder decided. I'm going to bring a new villain, a new character. I'm going to add another, full, another fold to the mythology and lore of Batman. And I think it's just awesome. Um, my favorite part of the comic, actually, uh, comes later on in the story. Um, I'm not going to tell you how or why this happens, but Batman ends up getting captured and he gets drugged. And for a good three or four pages in the comic, the, all, the, all the panels are upside down. And when, when you read it, like... When you read it online on an iPad or something, you're like, what the, what's going on? You start trying to turn it, and you don't know what's going on. But when you actually buy a physical copy of the book, it's, it's so awesome to see. It's this sudden change to these upside-down panels, and it's amazing to see. Um, yeah, I, this book is awesome, and there's actually a second part. Uh, the second arc is sort of a continuation it's called uh, Night of Owls, and I think that that's what I'm going to be reviewing next week. So next week, we are going to finish this Owls storyline that Scott Snyder wrote for Batman, and we're going to review Night of Owls. So thank you for joining us. Uh, again, I want to thank you all for voting for me, and thank you. This was... Sam's Friday Night Comic Review, and have a good week. Bye.